And there's two words that you will come across as you travel the meditative path. One is the word samatha, and the other is the word samadhi from the Pali. Now, teachers have different takes on this, but I think the most common take is that samatha refers to any training in calming the mind, calming anything that is agitated. And this is such a, a big piece of this pathway of calming the agitations. And samadhi is often seen as being somewhat the fruit of this calming, the mind that can sustain both intention and attention. Now, both of these words are almost always preceded by the word sama from the Pali, which means right or wise attentiveness that has its foundation in ethics and has the aspiration of freeing the mind, freeing the heart from agitation. More accurately from the Pali, the words samadhi and samatha translate as to gather together or to collect. To gather together or to collect. Often the image that's used in the sutta is a gathering together of corn stalks into one, one pile. Um, I think of this as the unification or the integration of body, mind, and present moment. I find that quite a useful way of thinking of this. The integration, unification of body, mind, and present moment. If you kind of think about your day, how this can actually be quite rare, you know, that the body is in one place, the mind is somewhere entirely different, and the present moment is completely or entirely forgotten. That's the nature of disunification or disintegration or fragmentation. The image that I often use is the image of a skilled sheepdog that is sent out into the mountainsides and the hillsides to gather together the sheep that have been spread out across the hillside, to gather them together, from gathering them from pastures that are no longer nourishing, pastures that have dried out, and guiding the sheep to pastures that are fertile and where they flourish. And we know that a skilled sheepdog will not intimidate or harm the sheep. Um, but the sheepdog is guiding the sheep to places where the sheep will thrive. Um, in the process of gathering and collecting our attentiveness, we are actually doing much the same thing. We're gathering our attention from pastures where we no longer thrive or flourish. The pastures of distractedness, of rumination, of obsession, of fantasy, of overplanning, of daydreaming, of dwelling upon what has gone by or anticipating what is yet to come. So we are gathering our attentiveness, our attentional capacity from pastures where we are not thriving or flourishing and guiding our attentional capacity to pastures where we can thrive. 
present moment experience, integration of body, mind, and present moment. We're directing and gathering our attention to the fields of contemplation, of mindfulness, um, fields of calmness and collectedness. So as I mentioned earlier on this morning, this is something much more than concentration. Because first we need to distinguish and discern where do we thrive and where do we not thrive. We need to be quite clear about that in our own experience. Do we thrive and flourish in the fields of, of fantasy, of rumination, obsession, of any of those fields I mentioned? Because without that discernment, we are very unlikely to make the choice to move our sheep. Hmm? We're very unlikely to make that choice. So a lot of intentionality is guided not just by a command structure, but by that discernment. Hmm? Um, it's OK to be dissatisfied with an untrained heart. Hmm? It's OK to be dissatisfied with an untrained mind. So the, the gathering is not being born out of forcing or striving, but out of that wisdom and insight. Now, in any spiritual tradition, in any religious spiritual tradition, you're going to find this encouragement to do just this, to know where it is worthy to focus our attention. Now, we can, I think, pretty accurately assume that samadhi, was the primary practice in India in the time that the Buddha ventured upon his own meditative path. And in the story we inherit of the Buddha's pathway, we hear the story of him leaving home out of some insight that you know, he was not going to find lasting happiness in this world of delightful conditions that he had. I, I doubt if they were that delightful in India at that time. So he sought out the most skilled practitioners of his time who were practicing samadhi. And he developed, uh, he had a, a skillfulness in this and a talent in it, we might say. So he developed as very deep states of samadhi, of absorption. And yet he remained dissatisfied. And after these, these, these times, long times of practice, he began to see that these absorption states that he developed actually also didn't deliver the lasting happiness or freedom that he sought for. And as we move on in reading the text, it's a, but it is clear that the Buddha never left this cultivation of samadhi behind. Even as he recognized and saw the need for liberating insight, he never left samadhi behind. And he continued to teach in the way that I described earlier of encouraging people to find that empty hut, to find the roots of the tree, and develop their samadhi practice. And then to turn that towards investigation of dukkha, anicca, anatta, of unsatisfactoriness, of change, and of non-self. Um, and to understanding how the world of our experience is being constructed moment to moment. So what the Buddha saw is that samadhi can be powerfully utilized in the development of understanding and insight. Hmm? 
It is a mind that inclines towards insight. It's a quote I'll read you from the Samyutta Nikaya, where it says, just as the river Ganges flows towards the ocean, slopes towards the ocean, inclines towards the ocean, so too a practitioner who cultivates and develops samadhi flows, slopes, and inclines towards nibbana, towards liberation, towards awakening. So what the Buddha is talking about is, as I mentioned earlier, that short story doesn't really fit our experience of the path that has valleys and peaks. We see how we have intentions to be present and how often those intentions are forgotten. We have intentions to be kind, to be patient, and how often those intentions seem to get sabotaged and forgotten. We see time and time again how our attention is hijacked, and perhaps you've seen this already in the sitting and in the walking, how easily our attention is hijacked by passing thoughts, by plans, by ruminations, leaning into the future, leaning backwards into the past. And so we meet the habit of fragmentation. We meet the habit of fragmentation. Too often encountered, I think, both in our lives and in our practice. And I, I think we really get a sense of how challenging it is in the midst of, of all of this to cultivate this unification and integration. From the Buddhist perspective, and perhaps from the perspective of our own experience, we know that this fragmentation, this experience of our attention being attention and intention being hijacked over and over again is really a recipe for confusion and for distress and for struggle. I want to offer you another quote from the Dhammapada. The Buddha says, this mind, hard to control, flighty, alighting where it wishes, one does well to train and the well-trained mind brings happiness. I think for many practitioners recognize that samadhi, or this capacity for unification, is actually the kind of Achilles heel of their practice. Knowing how to sustain attention and intention is the Achilles heel of their practice. And I think we can recognize this without being particularly judgmental, but we recognize that intention and attention are very easily hijacked. We also recognize perhaps that we can have many insights. I I find that many people today begin practice with a lot of insights or a lot of knowing. Um, We know about unsatisfactoriness. We, we know about impermanence, you know. Sometimes we have definite glimpses of non-self. And yet how often our, our knowing somehow remains at a conceptual level. I know this, but I don't live in the light of it. I know this, but that knowing is actually not transforming much at all. Um, so in a way that... In a way, our knowing seems, there seems to be something happening that our knowing doesn't actually sink into our bones 
in a way that truly changes our lives. And I think that this is a, a sense of very deep dissonance and frustration, actually, in our lives, when time and time again we find that our intentions and attention are being sabotaged you know, my very familiar habits of, of reactivity of ha and agitation. So samadhi, samadhi is a way of ending that dissonance. It is my understanding and my experience that insight or knowing for it to be truly transforming needs a ground of stillness inwardly. It needs a ground of inner collectedness and stillness that creates or provides a climate for that insight, understanding, or knowing to truly sink into our bones. So we recognize that this is a pathway. It's a training, a cultivation. And the invitation of, of this, this path and this weekend is to explore this cultivation moment to moment appreciating the challenges, but also appreciating or sensing the profound benefits that come from this cultivation. That needs to be our inspiration. Hmm? Appreciating the profound benefits that can come. 